Welcome in, everybody. Episode 51 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday night. Happy March Madness week. Happy St. Patty's Day, if you're listening to this while enjoying your green beer. We're happy to have you with us. Uh, Shannon, greatest 51 NASCAR driver of all time. 51. Oh, Kurt Busch, 51 car at once. So I'm going to say him. What car hasn't he driven? I was going to say Derek Cope. I thought Derek Cope was the slam Ooh, yeah. 51, or did I dream that he drove 51? He maybe did. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued now. Yeah, you can you can look that up while I'm doing stuff over here. Um, so Darren and Shannon with you to start this show. Kevin is supposedly joining us at some point in this, pending his parenting duties. We are going to talk a little bit about March Madness here in a little bit. We'll talk about NFL free agency. Kevin's team made a ridiculous move today, so we're going to get his take on that. But everybody else is doing March Madness. We're going to change it up a little bit to start off our show, and we're going to pick some NCAA wrestling champions. Everybody's doing the basketball brackets. We'll give you our picks there, but we want to start with wrestling brackets. Got it ready. Shannon has copious research in front of him, which is good because I kind of know a couple basic names. He's got the real in-depth coverage here. But we're just going to jump right into this thing. We're going to pick, let's pick our top winner who we think is the favorite. And then maybe we'll go somebody off the board, a long shot on your Caesar sports book for somebody to look at. And we're going to go right at 125. And at the beginning of the year, you would have assumed, oh, this is going to be Spencer Lee hands down easy. No question about it. He gets injured, decides to sit out the rest of the year and really becomes an open weight. Uh, Nick Siriano out of Michigan getting the one seed. Some guy that I've never heard of until recently, this Vito Arujao. Hopefully you can give us some more information on that guy I know nothing about. Pat Glory at three, Bray, uh, Brandon Courtney at four, and Killian Cardinal down at five. I believe those are the same. Uh, that Cardinal guy getting a good ranking. Eric Barnett was the fifth ranked guy via Intermat Russell. But to me, this is Siriano and Pat Glory. Those are the top two for me. I have no idea about this Vito guy, but what's your take on 125, the suddenly wide open weight class? So I, I want to give the listeners a little bit of background. CAA uses a formula to seed the wrestlers, and most of the time, they they do a pretty good job. There's some one which I'll point out later into some middleweights, but they do have a formula for how you get seeded and how you enter the tournament. Uh, on paper, Nick Siriano is the guy to beat. I, I'm telling you, man, it's it's Vito. Vito's going to wait, and he's he's somebody that nobody has heard of. Uh, I've got Vito Arajal. Uh, I I meet with a group of guys. There's six of us, and it, it's kind of like a fantasy draft. So I, I want to explain this a little bit as well, Darren, and and cut me off if you need to. So there's of us. We get to pick one wrestler at each weight, and you can't double up on anybody. And it's it's like a free for all. So like in the draft, uh, you if you get the first pick. You got to wait till everybody's picked and then it comes back to you just draft. So somebody had taken um, Vito and Suriano. I was really excited that by the time to me, I was able to get Pat Glory because uh, I actually have a lot of faith in him. I I don't think he's going to beat Vito, but I think he's going to finish third. So while Nick Suriano is the name at 125, Vito is the one that I would pick to be the champ. I'll only interrupt you to tell you to slightly move your microphone away from your mouth. Beautiful. Slightly moved. Slightly. 
don't no, you can keep talking. I've got plenty of PBR to entertain me. Uh, Vito's, if I were more researched, I would know more about Vito, but I like going with the names I know, which is Siriano and Pat Glory. Uh, so uh, Glory at Princeton and Vito at Cornell tells me they probably wrestled in a conference tournament that you're probably telling me Vito won. Yes, and that would be Glory's only loss so far. And it's so those two are the two and three, so they'll likely face each other. And nobody has an easy draw, but Siriano theoretically probably has the easier one. He'd get to the finals before he ran into those guys. I'm going to stick with Pat Glory. So one of us is going to, in bout number 502, going to be in trouble. If I'm going off the board, I do like Brody Teske. Maybe it's just kind of an Iowa Homer thing, but he's the 15 out of UNI. He would get veto in the second round, which I don't totally love. So I like him, but then there was another guy who also has a tough second round draw, went to Lockhaven, uh, wherever Lockhaven is, but he's 29 and one, the 17 seed Anthony Notto. I don't see him beating Siriano, but if you're looking for a guy to kind of tear through the backside of the bracket, uh, I think this Anthony Notto, 29 and one, I don't care where you go to school, you go, you put together that record. He seems like a guy who has all American potential for me, maybe that five, six placing match. But those are my two guys who are not your main championship contenders and dark horses for me. So this match will already have been wrestled before it gets to your listeners, Darren, but this is the match of the first round because I'm actually going to talk about Drew Hildebrandt, the opponent for Nato in that first round. That's going to be an awesome match. It's uh, They'll do all the pigtails right away, and then and then uh, Nato and Hildebrandt will, will get, it, get right after it. That's going to be an awesome match, and because uh, Hildebrandt is the one I was going to say is going to sneak through the backside uh, because Siriano is going to whoop both of them, either one. I'm not going to be shocked if you see Nato and Hildebrandt in the top eight as All-Americans. So that's a good find out of you for Anthony Nato. I like Drew Hildebrandt. And... Well, one of us will be right. That's a rarity on the show. Uh, so I, I always love to look at the fun names. You have some good ones here. Fabian Gutierrez, Kyson Tarakina, maybe my favorite name in all of college wrestling. So we'll, we'll celebrate the good names of the bracket. There's always some great wrestling names. Moving up to 133, where we have Roman Bravo Young at the, out of Penn State, the number one seed. I believe the defending champion at this weight. He is the defending champion. Uh, Dayton Fix out of Oklahoma State is the two. Michael McGee from Arizona State, another guy who I don't know near as much about at the three. Corbin Myers out of Virginia Tech, the four. Austin DeSanto down at the five. So I think we talked about this before. RBY, Dayton Fix, uh, Corbin Myers, and Austin DeSanto. I would have viewed this as a four-horse race. I'm sticking with Dayton Fix. He's 21-0. I still feel like he's been in college for a decade, even though he's somehow only a sophomore. Uh, is RBY going to repeat, or do you have somebody else on your radar? He is going to repeat, and it's going to be against Fix. The, the only exception to that would be if DeSanto somehow finds uh, – the the fountain of youth and some health. If DeSanto is able to knock off RBY, that's Roman Brown in the quarterfinals, that would be a game changer for the team race and and also would ruin a lot of brackets. Um, watching RBY wrestle, he's pretty amazing. And Dayton Fix uh, is is the opponent that he beat in the finals last year. It comes down to those two. Um, but De, I mean, DeSanto has a puncher's chance at beating RBY in the quarters. And we'll get to the team race later, but if you're Iowa, you need every head to head victory over Penn state. You can get Iowa no longer the juggernaut. We thought they would be Penn state really closed that gap. If not taken over any head to head matches, Iowa needs those over Penn state. 
any any dark horse here? Uh, I like Chance Rich. I'm going entirely by name. Know nothing about the guy uh, from Cal State Bakersfield, the number 20 seed. Looking at his draw, yeah, Corbin Myers is a little bit scary in the second round, but if he can get through that, could have this kind of Cinderella run. I had it last year with my guy out of Northwestern. What's his name? The wonderfully named guy who was like 16 seed last year. He's coming up in another bracket. I don't know, man. You got okay. We'll we'll bring it up when we get to him. I thought you just had it. Up is it? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. you just said, you just made me think. Of it. Yeah, yeah, Thomas. yeah, Thomas. That was my guy. Yes. Ch- Chance Rich is my yeah, yeah, Thomas of this year. So give me him to be a, a sneaky guy to maybe claw his way back in. Maybe could stun Corbin Myers. That would be great. But he's my dark horse. There's a couple guys in here that that could put something together. Uh, and and obviously we'll know Saturday night who those guys are. One one name that I'm looking for at this weight is Lucas Bird. He is from Illinois. He's the seven seed, and he's kind of just hung around. And maybe he finishes seventh and does fine, but he could get hot. I mean, he he could lose to Fix in the quarters and still come back and finish third or fifth. So Lucas Bird is somebody off the radar that is worth keeping an eye on. Yeah. And you went RBY to win. I went Dayton fixed. Does that sound right? Yep. And Penn State again with the number one seed at 141, another defending champion, and Nick Lee, 17 and 0, the one seed. Jaden Ironman, the two seed, another guy who's been in college forever, 16 and 1 for the Hawkeyes. Sebastian Rivera at three, Real Woods at four, and Andrew Alarez at five. Pretty stacked top part of the bracket here. Uh, even Cole Matthews down at the six. And Clay Carlson at seven. So I think you have a lot of great guys at 141. I don't think this one is cut and dry that Nick Lee is necessarily going to have it. I may let you go first and I'll circle back on this one. I could I could argue myself a lot of different ways at 141. So I, I like that you mentioned Clay Carlson. He's an All-American. So write that name down. He'll he'll All-American. He's a good wrestler. Sebastian Rivera is your guy. I, I don't know who you've picked because we have not heard any of this information. I just imagine that that he's going to be who you pick to win the national. It's Nick Lee's to lose. He there before. He's done it. He beat Ironman last year. Ironman revenge path, but he looks he looks like he's maybe out of gas and and not as sharp as he did last year. So I'm throwing out a lot of names. Nick Lee is going to win this, and I really like that you mentioned Clay Carlson. Somebody that got in is Chad Red from Nebraska. He was supposed to be all that in a bag of potato chips, and he really hasn't done much. And so Chad Red is somebody, he's an All-American last year, uh, like got beat out of the Big Ten tournament. So you might see that name and think, hey, that, there's an off-the-board guy. Maybe I go for Chad Red. I'm not buying in Chad Red. Who, no, I'm sorry. Who did win oh. the Big Tens? Because you have Sebastian Rivera and Nick Lee are both unbeaten. Yeah. Um, did one of them not wrestle at the Big Tens? Yeah, I'm, I I don't know enough about what happened at this weight at the Big Tens to, to answer that. So okay. I'm negligent in my duties. I'll forgive you. Um, yeah, Iron Man would be a good story. The guy's been around forever to see him finally get one. Be good for him and the Hawkeye fans. I'm going to go with Sebastian Rivera just to be a little bit different. You go 24-0, you're doing something right. I don't see really a lot of 
challenge for him until he gets to Ironman. And I think Ironman is susceptible to be upset. You say, like you mentioned, Clay Carlson is right there waiting for him in the round of eight, potentially. So I could see Sebastian Avera getting there and upsetting Nick Lee. Um, I, I do like Real Woods, but I, I'll go Sebastian Rivera to pull the upset on Nick Lee here. He beat Spencer Lee about four years ago, or whenever Spencer was a freshman, Sebastian Rivera beat him. See how many people that was can at say 125. That. Right. Not very many. And for my dark horse, it may be a bit of a homer pick, but I'm going Ian Parker. It seems weird to me that he's all the way down at 13, looking at some of the guys ranked ahead of him. I think he's deserving of that top 10 seed, and I think he's a surefire All-American. But I'll go with Ian Parker. I think he can tear through his part of the bracket until I think he could get to Nick Lee. Probably won't win that one, but I think he can get that far and then wrestle back through. Uh, I did, for, for our pool that we drafted wrestlers, I took Kazan Clark out of North Carolina if you're – uh, looking for somebody to root for that is probably O two, but I picked him anyway because I have faith. I, I'm happy for you. Uh, I'm trying to get to 149, but my internet does not want to behave. Well, this would be one of two weights that we pretty much have a sure thing. Um, okay, there we go. I got it loaded. Yeah, you are correct. I'm not even going to disagree with you on this one. Would you like me to go first and break it down, or, or are you going to give go, it back? Okay. Go crazy. I'll have a PBR break. All right. Coming out of Cornell, Yanni Diakamahalis. You would win a spelling bee if you were to, to try and do that. Uh, he did not wrestle last year due to the Olympics and having that year off. The world on fire pre-COVID. Ran through college wrestling, national champ. Scored a ton of points. He is so much much, and he's an awesome kid. And really uh, it, untut. Now, I understand that he has Tariq Wilson, Austin Gomez, a lot of guys in this weight that are good wrestlers. Um, we look at Sammy Sasso as the four seed. Last year, uh, Sammy Sasso kind of had the weight to himself until he got to the Nathamit, ended up second to Austin O'Connor, who we're going to see in a little bit coming up. But Sasso with the four seed just really hasn't put it all together this year. Was uh, was beaten by Austin Gomez in the Big Tens. Austin Gomez for Wisconsin, former Cyclone, unfortunately left us and went to Wisconsin, had an awesome tournament. So it's Yanni's weight, and I think a lot of people maybe went up or down based on him this year, and I don't blame them. Like, he's so dang good and he's a name to get familiar with because he'll be on the, he, he's kind of like on that Jordan Burroughs pass where path where after college just continued to dominate on the world stage. That's Yanni. So he's going to win this. It's just a matter of how do the other guys stack up team wise? Like Iowa wants to keep in the team race. Does Max Mirren get a couple wins and potentially all American? Maybe. I mean, he's had a nice end of the season. Your boy, Yaya Thomas, the 19 seed. He's an All-American coming back. Again, 19 right? seed. What does this man have to do? I, I don't know, man. He's got a yeah, maybe he's got a pin uh fine silver in the first round, which is a classic Duke wrestling name. And if if you're looking off the board for somebody, um I I'll leave him to you. Like Jarrett Deegan had a good run a couple of years ago from Iowa State. I, I don't think he makes it back there, but if you're looking for somebody, uh, 
let's say Jarrett Deegan and cheer for the Cyclone. Kevin, who's going to win at 149? Uh, Jarrett Deegan. <laughs> Kevin joining us. That way. A, a few weights in. Now, I think you hit all the high notes there. Not much to add. This is Yanni's weight, but below him, I think you have a very, very exciting race. Jarrett Deegan, Max Mirren, the guys you mentioned, my guy Yaya Thomas needs some respect. Sasso Gomez. I think Sasso would give Yanni his best match of these guys in here. I think those two are both better than Tariq Wilson. The uh, legend Lammer, one of the best names, somehow got a 15 seed with a 14 and a five record. Maybe another guy who needs a little bit more respect. I think a very exciting race to the All-American positions, but yeah, this is... Yanni's probably got himself in Hodge Trophy territory, depending on what happens with Mr. Gable, but more on that later. Austin Gomez, that's my pick. You and Shannon are in the same boat on Mr. Gomez. He could finish second. I I'm, I hope that he meets Tariq Wilson. That means that they've both done really well to get to the semis. I, I just wouldn't bet any money on that happening. One of them will trip up somewhere. Okay. And going up to 157, the top overall seed, the guy who's probably the fan favorite in this room, David Carr out of Iowa State, defending champion, 21-0, the one seed. Ryan Deacon out of Northwestern, the two. Uh, Ja'Cory Teamer out of Arizona State, the three. Ed Scott from NC State, the four. Quincy Monday, the five. Uh, the six seed, Jared Franick. Uh, so we've got David Carr, the number one overall seed, heavy favorite here. But also, Shannon, what's going on with Mr. Austin O'Connor getting the 11 seed, defending champion at 149? Right. So we brought his name up a little bit ago in talking about his national champion. And, and that's where the seeding system doesn't make any sense. Uh, they do a lot of things well. This would be one of those weights where they really screwed it up. Like, you should be able to get a lot of points in the formula for being a returning national champion. And it's just crazy that he was seeded as an 11, like put him at six, that's fine. Or if, if you want him on the bottom side of the bracket, that's great, but you can't put a national champion at an 11 seed. It doesn't make any sense how they figured that in using a lot of this year's data, who he's lost to. Uh, he, he's going to all American. So if you're going off the board, uh, you're taking somebody that's not projected to be an all American. It's Austin O'Connor. He's going to finish there. Um, obviously we're cheering for David Carr, but that's, that's what's wrong with the seating system is when something like that happens where Austin O'Connor's an 11. And looking at that side of the bracket, I see no reason he shouldn't tear through that side. I Ryan Deacon, the biggest challenge there, but I think O'Connor has his number. I'm going David Carr to repeat and take this one. I don't see anybody standing in front of him. He and Caleb Young probably have a decent battle there if they face each other in that round of eights. But David Carr, I'm I'm with you on the heavy favorite there. I'm trying to find myself a an off the board dark horse, and I feel like picking O'Connor is kind of cheating. Um, man, who's somebody in those double digit seeds that I really really like? The guys I'm looking at have tough draws. I want to say this Jake Keating out of Virginia, the 14 seed, but another guy if he has a tough first round matchup, and then he'd have Jacory Teamer waiting for him in the second round. So not a real great draw for Mister uh, Keating. But give me him as a dark horse All-American. Caleb Young makes me nervous because of David Carr. Like I, I get that Carr is a national champion, but Caleb Young wrestles to his opponents. Uh, he very well could beat David Carr. I don't think he will, but he could, and that's scary. He could lose that match five to four, and then end up 
getting beat out of the tournament by the 28 seed on the backside. So it it's just crazy, but he's he's scary because he keeps it close. Nobody else sticks out at me, Darren, at this weight. Ryan Deacon, uh, you, you talked about the strongest competitor, biggest competition or whatever for Austin O'Connor. He's huge. If, if you look at him, he is giant. He does not look like he weighs the same as everybody else there. Uh, Deacon is the one that I'm going to pick to win this weight. Ryan Deacon. So there's three guys with zero losses. Is that right? Is that what I'm saying here? Uh, David Carr, Ryan Deacon, and Ja'Cory Teamer are all unbeaten. And then Austin O'Connor. And then Caleb Young, way down there. What's Caleb Young? Nine seed? That's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, somebody's like, I don't know who Arizona State ever wrestles during the season. There's probably not a lot of tough competition unless they got some non-con matches going on to uh, to get losses in there. But do you ever see three undefeated people in one weight, let alone people farther down? It seems like you don't get that many people undefeated by this point in the season. No, so, it's pretty rare. So that's pretty interesting. So obviously David Carr cheering interest, but um, there seems to be a lot of uh, good matches that will happen before the finals at this weight. Are you sticking with your Iowa State guy to win it? Uh, absolutely. David Carr. <laughs> Too much of a homer to go somewhere else. Well, going on to 165, I was going to say we'll put your fandom to the test, but as I'm quick scrolling the bracket, I don't see an Iowa State guy at 165. They had nine guys, right? So this is the one weight they don't? Ah, of course. Well, 165 is a very fun, wide-open weight. Evan Wick, the one seed. Uh, Shannon can give the story on him again. We've told it before, but an interesting path for him. The one seed, 17-0. Keegan O'Toole out of Missouri, 20-0. The two seed. The three seed, Alex Marinelli, the eternal wrestler for Iowa who will never graduate. Dean Hamidi from Wisconsin, who I know nothing about at the four. Uh, the all Captain America, Shane Griffith at the five seed and Cameron Amin at the six. So a lot of good names. Carson Karchla at seven, I believe Ben Askren's favorite wrestler ever. So a lot of great guys here in the top seven, 165. I would say of all the ways we've talked to the most wide open, probably the most exciting weight. I would give it 165 so far. It's going to be a fun weight to watch play out through the tournament. Shane Griffin, the Shane Griffith national champion last year, saved Stanford wrestling. Uh, got it. Uh, Coach just got fired, but they still save the program. Uh, he's a five seed. So once again, our formula has put a national champion at the five seed. Um, it's better than 11 or 12 or whatever O'Connor was, but still, uh, that's a little disrespectful. Uh, Hamidi is the four. Hamidi is an electric freshman. He's going to score anywhere from 14 to 21 points a match, and he's really, really fun to watch, but he's also going to get caught and pinned by somebody in this tournament. He's got an awesome future. He's a really, really level-headed, humble wrestler that um, shows a lot of respect to his opponents. To the to, to um, like when he when they visit for a duel, like he's really good about it and uh, just a classy kid. And so Hamidi's one to keep your eye on for the future. It's it's Evan Wick's tournament to lose. Uh, he he's a fan favorite. Has been in it a long time. Does it the right way. I don't know. Last time Cal Poly's had a national champion. Um, well, we'll that's get, what I was going we'll get to get to. People is, on that. Why, why is Evan Wick wrestling at Cal Poly? He's from California, and he had a year left where uh, transfer portal is kind of the term you would use. He had his year left. Um, left Wisconsin, went back home, and and just wanted to prove that he could do it. 
because that's that's where it gets interesting. If you can get a media, the four seed from Wisconsin to wrestle Evan Wick for a shot to go to the championship, that's your storyline. Yeah, it is. There's no doubt about that. I'm looking at the rankings. And I see five freshmen in the top eight. So I don't know how they're seated, but just from the ranking standpoint, that is very impressive. But I will, uh, I'll say the two seniors are the ones who are going to be up there at the finals. So Marinelli and Wick. Um, and I see too much of Marinelli for him being from Iowa. That it just seems like he's one of those guys from Iowa that gets a championship at the end of his career. Um, who did he lose to? Do we know? We lost to this year. Um, he has one loss, but I don't know who it was to. Either way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he wins it. But we'll have the two seniors in the finals. I would have to look up who Marinelli lost to, but Kevin beat me to the point there. Carson Karchla, Cameron Amin, Dean Hamidi, Keegan O'Toole, and this Peyton Hall, who we didn't talk about, all freshmen. I know a lot of people are super high on Carson Karchla, Cameron Amin. I think there's required to be an Amin wrestling at Michigan at all times. And then you have the very, very young and the very, very old with Evan Wick and uh, Alex Marinelli. I like the Evan Wick story. I'll stick with him. Uh, where are they at in the bracket here? I got to click on too many screens. Uh, da, 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 da. Where's Shane Griffith? See, I wish Evan Wick and Shane Griffith were on opposite sides of the brackets. That could be your championship, but they would face each other in the semis. I think Wick takes down, and this is where I could see somebody getting hot. I could see a Carson Karchla or a Cameron Amin. So I'll take Evan Wick to take down Karchla in the upset in the championship. I'm going off the board, Darren. If you're looking for somebody, uh, Jake Wenzel, the 10 seed out of Pitt. That's who Shane Griffith beat in the finals last year. So a 10 seed is the runner-up last year at this weight. So look for him to place an Andy Well. He's he's a runner-up from a year ago. All right. So I'll go in different directions on this one. It's fun. Uh, can we take a quick side note here? Uh, Kevin, what are, you, uh, what are you sipping on? I see it creeping into the screen every once in a while that's uh, uh arnold palmer oh i got this oh. got this uh background there we go i'm from my face I thought, I thought you had some new fangled fancy beverage to share with I us don't i had uh one of those uh jack daniels down home punches earlier which is like a throwback to 15 years ago or something like that when you buy them in like a liter or whatever they sell them in a handle whatever kids call them that uh would would have those back in the day and they sell them in cans now so i i got one of those for the memories nice good night for you going up to 174 carter starochi another penn state guy the number one overall seed 18 and 0 makai lewis out of virginia tech the two logan massa out of michigan the three hayden hidley from nc state the four and michael kemmer from iowa the five I think it, I think those five separate from the rest of the field, unless there's a lower-ranked guy I'm missing. Starochi feels like the guy here, but there's so much talent. and Maybe it's just me, but this feels like a bracket full of guys who have been around forever. That's a, a pretty good way to look at it. Um, Starochi's the favorite. I know you're not going to pick him because your boy is hiding here at the four seed. Darn right. Um, so... Ethan Smith, he'd be one to keep your eye on. He's had a really good season, kind of under the radar. Why is because he's he's hidden in the Big Ten behind Starachi, Massa, and Michael Kemmerer. 
Um, Kemmer's hurt. Please do not bet money on him. I would love more than for him to win a national title, but he's he's basically one armed with a shoulder injury. So do not put any money on Michael Kemmer to come out of this one. Uh, I I like Hidley. Um, I think he's got a chance. I, I honestly do. I know he's your guy. I think he has a chance, but Sirachi is going to come out of that top side, I think. And um, Makai Lewis, man, he he lit the world on fire as a freshman and really hasn't been the same since then, has put together a nice season. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave your boy alone and I'll go with Ethan Smith. Wow. Going with the dark horse. Well, let's, I'll call him a little bit of a dark horse. No, I, I want Makai Lewis to win. I'd be cheering for him. He was the 165 champion back all the way in 2019 in the pre COVID days. But yes, I am required to pick a Hidley brother till one of them wins. I think I've been burned for several years picking them and never works out. But finally, Hayden's going to do it. One of them's going to get there. So I'm riding with the ACC. I'd be happy for Makai Lewis to get another one, but I think I'm legally obligated to pick a Hidley brother every time at every opportunity. I'll go with uh, Makai Lewis. I was going to stay Starochi, but uh, Makai Lewis, let's go with him. We've also got this Peyton Mako fella. I can't remember if we talked about this before. Is he related? I think you asked me and I didn't have an answer and I still don't have. And then uh, if you're looking for a dark horse on here, Shannon's favorite wrestling family down at Duke. Uh, Where's he at here? I have the intermat ranking in front of me, not the bracket. The 13 seed out of Duke. Matt Fine Silver. Why do we Heck like yeah, him? Yeah, man. Because he's about the fourth brother. He's about the fourth Fine Silver brother to wrestle for Duke in the past 10 years. Very nice. Yeah. And right above him in the bracket, Cade DeVos, he's an Iowa kid wrestling for South Dakota State. Uh, he could end up as an All-American. It'd be kind of fun for, for him to go out that way. So, yeah, DeVos and Fine Silver, if you're going off the board for an All-American. Going up to 184, the number one seed, Miles Amin from Michigan, Aaron Brooks from Penn State, the two, the three seed, the other Hidley, Trent Hidley, uh, the three seed undefeated, and the young guy, the young gun, kind of the super freshman, Parker Kekuson from UNI, 24-1. and one. Bernie Truax, another Cal Poly guy, rare to have two Cal Poly guys. He's at the five. And then you have Trey Munoz from Oregon State as the six, Caleb Romero is the seven. A wide open weight, I... I am by no means sold on Amin or Brooks being the one to run through it here. Uh, Aaron Brooks won this weight last year, I believe. Is that correct? Right, through, right bracket in front of me. Yeah. No. Sorry. Aaron Brooks won last year. Aaron Brooks beat Trent Hidley last year. There we go. I knew I had the right. Kekaisen was third. Clicking too many things. But to me, to me, it's a wide open. I'm again. There's a Hidley brother, so I have to pick him. I would like to see Parker get it just to get the UNI guy, get somebody different than the big power schools always winning. Uh, but I think you have a wide open race with a lot of different ways this bracket could shake out. Any idea who the last UNI champion was? Uh, if you vamp, I will do a quick look and see it's if I can tell. Just a couple years ago, he came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, there you go. I, I have the name in front of me. If you want to do some impromptu trivia. I can't remember. Fittingly enough, one at 184. Right. Drew Foster. Yes. Came out of nowhere in 2019 to win 184. Had an awesome tournament. Let's get another UNI champion. I'll, I'll pick him. I like it. Amin's going to be a little overconfident, so I, I like it, Kevin. 
It's a good pick. Uh, I have Aaron Brooks in my bracket challenge, and and I think if he uh, if he can get past Hidley in the semis on Friday night, please watch that match if it ends up that way. Um, somebody that could throw a wrench in this, Trey Munoz, Oregon State. He could end up in the finals, so so he'd be the off the board guy that could uh, surprise everybody. And a couple guys, I know it's not really a huge dark horse because he's the eight seed, but Marcus Coleman out of Iowa State, seventeen and four. I like how that shakes out. I would not be stunned if he took to, uh, was able to take down a mean there in the quarterfinals. And then couldn't tell you why, just have that feeling about him when you go through the bracket. Uh, but Taylor Venn's out of Nebraska. He's the ten seed. It's not too terrible pretty tough scheduler in the big 10. I don't know if we talked about him before, but for some reason running through the bracket, the name Taylor Venz stands out to me. You can have him for your, uh, wrestle stat bracket challenge for probably 20 points. Thank you. Up to 197. Uh, I'm going to really rely on Shannon's expertise for this one. Cause these are a whole lot of names that I don't know near enough about Max Dean from Penn state. Uh, takes over this bracket at number one. As we remember, AJ Ferrari, the champion from last year, the super freshman, uh, had that car accident earlier in the season. So he has uh, been out healing up from that. We have Max Dean at the one, Stephen Buchanan from Wyoming at the two, uh, the three seed, Eric Schultz, the four, Patrick Rucky, so, uh, five, Nino Bonacorsi, and six, Jacob Warner from Iowa. So you really have to get kind of lower down the rankings before you get to some of the more familiar names. I think. Bonacorsi and Warner are probably the more well-known guys and the wonderfully named Rocky Elam at seven, but 197 feels like it's anybody's race. So the, the seating formula screwed up again because all they, they, they look at is their computer numbers and they haven't watched Stephen Buchanan wrestle like tw- 23 of his matches were against Northwest Montana tech state. Uh, I would not fall into the Stephen Buchanan trap. If I were you guys uh, off of your list. Uh, Max Dean, amazing. He's great. Uh, Schultz is probably coming out of the bottom side. So, so between those two, uh, I ended up with Brucky on my draft just because Dean Schultz weren't available. Uh, another one, another person I really like as a person is Cam Caffey. Uh, take some time to learn about him. And if you just want to trust me, that's fine. It's probably not in your best interest to do so. He's like double majoring in the in some pretty difficult stuff at Michigan State. So Cameron, I'm cheering for him just out of soul. Like he's he's a great person that does it the right way and has gone about it the right way. So keep him on your radar. And uh, Lou Deprez out of Binghamton, because why not get a Binghamton wrestler on the podium? This entire weight is going to be fun. It's it's one of those weights that you just want to see how it plays out and watch the scores. Um, Dean's going to probably work his way to the semis pretty easily, but I want to, I want Cam Caffey to meet him along the way and, and wrestle him tough. Um, I want Brucky selfishly to, to do well Schultz for Nebraska to have somebody to cheer for. He's really good. Uh, Jacob Warner is capable, the Iowa wrestler. I don't know how well he's going to do, but, um, like on the bottom side, I could see younger Bastida given Buchanan fits and, and potentially even beating him. Uh, Bastida has a lot of really quality wins. He is from Cuba and his English is very limited. So it's fun to hear him talk and give interviews. Uh, and, and so he's somebody just, he's a cyclone, but he's another just fun, 
fun person to have around. Uh, so, so going off the board, Cam Caffey, it's Max Dean's weight. I, I think it's Max Dean and Eric Schultz in the finals, uh, but Max Dean to win for me. Darren, similar to you, there's a lot of names on here that I do not know much about. Um, Max Dean is about the one person that I I know much about from hearing before, so I would definitely take him. But the the Wyoming guy Buchanan, um, I think he has a, a shot at it. He won the Big Twelves. He pinned Batista. I didn't I didn't see how that match played out, how it led to that, but he pinned him. I know, um, and I hope Batista does well. As as you kind of said, Shane's been a fun story this year. I don't know if there's much hope for him or thoughts on what he could accomplish at the beginning of the season. Um, but he's done pretty well. And so it's been a bright spot for Iowa state. So hopefully he can get into the top eight, but I'll go with Dean to win it. I, I like younger Bastida to make a little bit of a run here, but I'm going to go a little off the board, pick a new name with Nino Bonacorsi. We talked about him at the top of the show, 15 and three record coming out of pit just because I don't really think there's a favorite. I think any one of these guys can win it. So give me Mr. Bonacorsi to take 197. It's a, it's a fun pick. I appreciate that going off the board. I don't know that we've had a unanimous vote other than Yanni. We we might get our second one though. And here he is, 285, the Olympic champion, the defending national champion, the current WWE signed prospect, Gable Stevenson, 13 and 0. At the beginning of the year, we thought it was going to be between Gable and Spencer Lee for the most outstanding wrestler award. And two guys we thought were surefire champions. It's kind of like Larry Bird walking into the locker room and saying, all right, who's coming in second? That's how the world views Gable Stevenson. Got Colton Schultz out of Arizona State as the two. Tony Cassiope of Iowa is the three. Craig, uh, I'm going to butcher his name. I never get this name right. Kirk Fleet out of Penn State at the four. Wyatt Hendrickson undefeated out of Air Force, 24-0. A good season for him at the five. And then Jordan Wood out of Lehigh at the six. I would love... I'd love to see Cassiope make a run. I think if anybody's going to get close to Gable, it's him. But uh, 285 is Gable Stevenson in the world, and everybody else is just living in it. Will it be close? Anyone will get close with him? Like down to the end of a match or no? Kirkley could give him some fits. He'd be the one that could challenge him as Kirkley. It's interesting that... um, He's like one of the first people I've ever seen opposing teams excited to watch and cheer for the uh, match when they had with Iowa. It seemed like all the Iowa fans were just happy to, to watch him and see him wrestle, even though he whooped around their guy, but um, you just don't really see that a lot that a person who's kind of loved across everybody for what he's done. And now in this world of NIL, um, you can kind of do that. The wrestling that he has going on and all that stuff. He's done a good job to just kind of market himself outside of college wrestling and what he did. Um, so it's kind of someone that everyone, everyone likes to watch and he's obviously super talented. So that makes it kind of fun too. Um, so it'll be fun to watch him wrestle in the finals, go out on top um, and then start his WWE championships for many years to come, I guess. Rumor has that they want him to be the next Brock Lesnar. He's... Seems likely. Kurt Angle, maybe. Oh yeah. Um, and it, go ahead, Darren. Well, I was just going to say, if we want a different name to throw in here, a guy I can't believe is all the way down at the seven is Mason Paris out of Michigan. Feels like he's been around for a little while now. 
Uh, I would go with him as a name to keep your eye on for making a run. And if Michigan has any hopes of getting anywhere near that team race, Intermat Russell actually has Michigan ranked ahead of Iowa, which I thought was interesting. I don't think Michigan can hang in there, but if they want to have a shot at that team top three, I think Mason Paris having a deep run would go a lot uh, long way towards that team race. I'm going to give you a scalding hot take, boys. Excellent. Mason Paris does not All-American. Ooh. Are you willing to wager a Natty Daddy seltzer on that? Sign me up. That's, that's 279 That's a hefty cost. <laughs> what it's worth to me. Might have to be two of those. So he has he has really fallen off this year, and uh, I kind of liken it to to maybe Ironman and DeSanto, where they're just not they're just not right, or Kemmerer, and not to any of their fault of their own, but they just aren't what they were a year ago. Paris falls in that category, so he's not going to All American. Um, Wyatt Hendrickson out of the Air Force destroyed the Big Twelve. Awesome awesome wrestler so look for him to make some noise probably on the backside uh i wonder if colton schultz can beat cassiope and i don't know if he can but if he does i would love to see hendrickson wrestle cassiope for third uh that would be pretty cool um the gas tank Gary Traub, uh, he could go O2 or he could end up All-American. There's not really an in-between for him. Uh, he just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. The, the thing with heavyweights in college is this is the most messed up weight as far as the 21 seed could finish fourth and the third seed could not even All-American. Like Heavyweights just get so messy at nationals. Uh, those are just some names there, Darren, but, but Wyatt Hendrickson is one to cheer for if you're just a casual fan of sport. I'm, I'll cheer for him. I will not cheer for Colton Schultz. He spells Colton with an H, so I'm out. His parents said that, not him. <laughs> Don't blame him. He's, he's an 18-year-old. He can change it. So Game, if I have to pick a guy, just so it's on the record. Oh, okay. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Just in case, make sure everyone knew. So looking at our team race, Penn State, I still think it's Penn State and Iowa, Michigan, maybe with an outside shot at getting up there, but I think it's those two pulling away. I don't know that I picked an Iowa champion, and I don't I don't really see, I, I see a lot of third, fourth, fifth places for Iowa, but I don't know if they have a champion, which is where it scares me. I also think I maybe only picked one Penn State champion. I think the titles are going to get split pretty well amongst the entire, you know, everybody in the field. I think that could be the difference. Penn State gets a champion or two, and it's a whole different situation. But who's going to be hoisting the team trophy at the end of this? Iowa, Penn State, or are you going to go with somebody completely off the board? I'm going to go Michigan. That just sounds fun. I don't know if I actually believe that would happen, but for someone else that I would never thought to be in the race like a month ago, I'm going to go with Michigan just for funsies. Penn State's going to win. It'll be a battle for second, depending on if if Ironman, Marinelli, DeSanto, if those guys wrestle the way they can, Iowa's going to finish second. But if if those guys end up 
it's sixth place or something like that. It's it, it could be Michigan in second, but Penn State's going to win this tournament. Sorry, Hawkeye fans, this was supposed to be your year. For for Cyclone fans, we're just happy to be in the top ten conversation. Going back to Spence. something else you guys talked about, Cal Poly is ranked 11th in the tournament rankings. So we've yeah. talked. So they had a couple guys that were seated a little high up there. Any idea where were they last year? Like obviously they have a some at least one new guy, but have they uh, been good at all recently? Evan Wick and who's the other guy we just talked about? I don't know if we talked about. There's a guy I saw that was seated like fifth or sixth from Cal Poly. And a couple of weeks ago, maybe 84 or something. Let's see if I can find him. Uh, 2021. They did not finish in the top 10 last year in the team rankings. So they did not finish they, in the top 10, and they did not have a guy finish in the top three last year. So whatever that means. At 184, they have the five seed. Bernie Tro. Yeah. Bernie Truex. Truex. Yep. So there you go. Cal Poly up and coming. <laughs> All right. For one year at least. Anything else we need to keep an eye on for the wrestling? Take a little break from basketball. Throw some wrestling in there. Broadcast on the Espen, I believe, championships. Friday night, the best wrestling you'll see is the semifinals. So, so maybe if you did need a break from basketball or you want to switch back and forth Friday night on ESPN and then the placing matches Saturday, you see, you clearly see the kids that are like, they're, they were going for the national title. They lost. They're just going to show up and, and just go through the motions or you're going to see the guy like, so what they lost now they're going to, they're on a war path and they're going to crush people. And, and it's one or the other. And that is also a really fun round to watch because you see the after what adversity has happened to them, how they respond. And that's also really fun to watch Saturday morning. Well, load up, load up your sports watching this weekend. The best, one of the best sports weekends of the year with your March Madness and NCAA wrestling. We're going to get to March Madness here in a minute, but I want to quick touch on NFL free agency. We don't have time to go real hard in this this week. We may save that for next week or the next couple weeks. But one deal in particular, since we have the expert on the show with us, Kevin, what are your bills doing? Six years and $120 million to a 32-year-old Von Miller. Normal world, 32-year-old, not that old. NFL 32 is a whole different thing. And your bills are mortgaging the franchise on giving him six years. Well, they say you get what, like a two to three year window when you're at the point to, uh, to win a Super Bowl. And so they've been good for two years. They're going into year three. At some point, um, their abilities to start going down a little bit. So I think it, I think they're at that point. Maybe you are mortgaging your future because you want to give everything you can to win a Super Bowl this year, which teams have done that recently for various sports to win championships and they've won championships and it's worked out the Rams this year. So um, I think it's the, the throw everything you can next year, win it. And you know, if you're paying Von Miller, when he's obviously lost some steps three years from now, so be it. If you want a Super Bowl, I don't think anyone's going to care that you have some bad, bad contracts, bad money. Darren, how much of that's guaranteed money? Uh, that is a fine question. I clicked on a different screen. Cause if it's, if it's uh, 40 million guaranteed and the rest is incentives, they'll cut him after two. They don't win a Super Bowl. Uh, that is a ton of money, and it looks really bad on paper, but the guaranteed money will really tell us the true story. 
Uh, Let so me see here. Fifty-one million guaranteed, and he'll actually be thirty-three at the start of the season. So you got to keep him three years to make it worth it. I guess if the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be in the next three years. Otherwise, they'll have to rebuild from there. I get the yep. move. I don't. I don't like it. I, uh, I. I'm glad you put Kevin on the spot. I don't like the move, but it's it's something that you can see where they're coming from. And I do want to save some time for some basketball picks here, but first, complete this sentence. Starting next season, Baker Mayfield will be the quarterback of. I say he'll be a backup. Of who? Some of the uh, teams in the quarterback market, you've got the Colts. I still think the Seahawks are out there looking. Uh, Basically, the entire NFC South is an option. Um, Yeah, I think those are your quarterback that hasn't proven that he can take a team deep into the playoffs and be the guy kind of carrying the team. And now he has a shoulder injury that you have no idea what he's going to look like on the other side. That seems extremely risky for anybody to say we're going to wage our future with him unless it is a team that's in the middle of rebuilding and they are just looking for a quarterback and they're willing to risk it with him. Um, But I can't see a team that's probably a contender willing to pay for what he might cost with what we know about him at this point and his health. Is he being traded or just cut, we think? Uh, I have to imagine they'd try to get something back for him, but he's basically said goodbye to Cleveland unless it's just a ploy to get a deal. But he, they sound like the writing's on the wall. They either have decided they're not going to extend him, they want Deshaun Watson, they want to go drafting. Uh, we know the Colts need somebody. As much as I love Sam Ellinger, I think they bring somebody else in. They've got the Colts looking. i never actually quite sure what the commanders slash Washington are doing. But I think the Colts, the Seahawks, Saints, Panthers are your top candidates just for any quarterback. And then the Falcons sound like they're trying to unload Matt Ryan to a team who's in win-now mode and get rid of his contract. They're maybe looking to get assets, so I don't know if they bring Baker in as a stopgap there. But I think those are your top candidates. I say he'll be a backup, but um, that might be a a risk willing to take to have a a quality or a competent backup on a team that's maybe uh without a great starter you know the bills did just lose their backup they did just lose their backup so maybe uh maybe i'll go to buffalo Ooh. if so they're, uh, they're willing to again for cheap sure why not let's pretend that matt ryan ends up in cleveland i don't think he will but we, that he does they're not just going to swap and take baker like the the falcons aren't in rebuild rebuild mode and you're not going to rebuild with Baker anyway. Uh, Deshaun Watson probably to New Orleans, do you suppose? They seem to be the leading candidates. Right? It seemed, from what I'm hearing, it seems to be the Saints and the Panthers. By hearing, I mean reading. So, calling so off insider information. I'm going to say, to answer your, your statement, Seattle Seahawks. Nice. See, that's the team that feels like to me. They're going to be terrible, but at least he's a step up over Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Uh And then you also have Jimmy Garoppolo waiting out there. I think the Colts are going to go for one of these guys. The Colts feel like they're a quarterback away and just a guy who can manage it. They don't need Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. They need a guy who can just keep them on the field. And I think Baker can do that. I think Jimmy G can do that. So I think that's, that could be part of it as well as where does Garoppolo land. And then that may impact Baker and Deshaun Watson as well. I get what you're saying with Jimmy G to Indy. And I don't have a problem with that, 
because he's an upgrade. If you're San Francisco, why are you getting rid of him? Because you stupidly drafted Trey Lance. So you need the money. Also that spend on other people. He's like the by far the highest paid player or something like that. Right. They need more people need to get rid of him. They have no receiver yet. Right. So they need a, they need to find a receiver if there's still receivers available. Alan Robinson sitting out there. They need so his money that's, to pay for those receivers. They've, they've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They're those fine. aren't receivers. <laughs> those are, uh, those are good uh, gimmicky type receivers. They're not receivers. So Debo Samuel is great doing the various things, but he's not a person you say, line up and say, go run a pass route. And we're going to throw the ball in the Super Bowl on fourth down. And you're going to catch it 15 yards down the field. And we know we're going to make it happen. He's not that guy. They need that guy. I don't know if that guy's available. There might be no one to go get this, that guy. Yeah. Alan Robinson's the only one out there. And I think the Jaguars probably just gave him a $30 million per year contract. A la Christian Kirk. <laughs> Christian Kirk. Great, not dumb great enough receiver. to go back to Jacksonville. <laughs> go back to Chicago. He's been with some really good teams. For He's that poor guy. <laughs> poor guy has been in the league for 10 years and it's stuck in the two worst franchises. He was really good in fantasy like seven years ago with right. Jacksonville or something like that. Had him. He was fantastic for a year or two. They had, they had the two Allens for like one year. It was great. All right. Well, we'll analyze the NFL free agency here in the next couple weeks as we get going, but uh, it is March Madness week. We need to get some brackets here. Not going to go super crazy. Just want to get these guys top picks as we're recording this. Uh, we're starting with the to... NIT bracket. That's the one I got in front of me. Yeah, that's what we're, we're going to start NIT with first. and how, and how Colorado, Colorado screwed all you guys with their first round loss to the yeah, bottom. Stupid Colorado. Would that's they all lose right. Too? Same Bonaventure, Bonaventure, which oh. gave, me a, gave me a webby point. So <laughs> nice. It's a trade-off I'm willing to take here. Uh, Rutgers and Notre Dame are going into overtime, so hold your breath. Oh, really? That's game's still going on, huh? It's it's in overtime. I'm watching it. All right, so let's uh, we can just kind of go quick region by region here. Uh, we'll start out west in. Uh, sorry, fans of these teams, I would probably call this the most boring bracket because I feel like Gonzaga is probably going to rip through everybody. I is, I really want to like this Arkansas team, but they've I've lost some favor with them. Texas Tech. Yes, the defense is great, but the first-year coaching concerns me a little bit. The question is, for me is how inspired is Duke playing at this point in time? Coach K's last season, are they going to leave it all out there, or do we see the team that got run out of the building by UNC? So for me, the West, it feels kind of like Gonzaga not going to be too challenged in this one. Hope you're right, because I got him there. Which, which one are we in here, though? Gonzaga's? Yeah. You know what? I think I think Texas Tech, if they can get that far – would give Gonzaga a hard time. Last year, the Gonzaga was just ripped apart by what Baylor could do to them, and they had no idea what to do. Um, I think Texas Tech can can do that defensively. Duke is interesting in that they have mega talent, but they're young, and young mega talented teams not very often have gone far enough in the NCAA tournament. Um, But you watch Duke in like a period of 10 minutes, and you're going to think they're going to win the championship. And then you watch them for the next 10 minutes and you think they suck. And then it's just kind of all over the place. So I, I just don't think that's enough. Too inconsistent for them to get all the way there, especially if they run into Gonzaga. Arkansas and UConn are kind of fun. Um, I like them. Um, Vermont is, is really good. Arkansas has a tough matchup there. Alabama was good. Maybe they can find it again, but they kind of suck again. So, yeah, Alabama was a team I was high on about a month ago, and then they completely 
went down the tubes. I think Tech has a good shot at, but it's it's going to be hard to beat Gonzaga. You have to Tech would have to bring their their offensive game, which they can, but it's it's limited. It's not to the level of Gonzaga's, and it seems like Gonzaga's ready to get back, at least to the Final Four. Yeah. At Vermont in the Sweet Sixteen. Wow. So that is that is one thing. We'll drop in some nuggets of wisdom. Always pick a 12 seed. I think in the last six years, at least one 12 or 13 seed has made it this year. Uh, I do not see Iowa losing as much as I hate to admit it, but I think all these other five seeds are very, very susceptible. Not that I love New Mexico State. I just have no faith in UConn. Uh, going over to the South Regional here, Arizona, the, I don't know if we can call Arizona Cinderella, but kind of the story team of the year with the first year coach, the longtime Gonzaga assistant taking over there. Uh, looks not too much challenge there in those first couple of rounds. I don't really like Seton Hall or TCU all that much. Give me uh, UAB to beat Houston. I just mentioned five seeds. I have no faith in this Houston team. I don't know how I, I nothing about Houston appeals to me. So give me UAB in the upset there. This might be my favorite region. Cause I like so many of the teams. Arizona's fun. I love Illinois. And I've mentioned on the show many times, I think Kofi Coburn's the player of the year. Tennessee is here. I love Villanova and Jay Wright. Uh, Juwan Howard and Michigan are here. So you have that. They're bringing that guy to the party. Loyola's here. Ohio State plays no defense, but has a tremendous offense. Chattanooga and the Mocs. I love that team. So to me, the South is the most fun region, but really tough to pick. I can, I think it's chalk with those top four getting to the Sweet 16, but Arizona, Illinois, Tennessee, Villanova, I think is very, any one of those I could be talked into. I hope you're correct on those four. I have Villanova coming out of the region. Arizona is fantastic. Villanova is pretty good, and they're kind of that team that no matter what they did in January, it's kind of like what Michigan State used to be. Whatever happened early in the season doesn't really matter as long as they seem decent, and now it's the tournament time. That's kind of when they look the best. Um, so it's I would definitely – Ohio State sucks. Loyola's <laughs> – Loyola's okay. Um, they can surprise people. They're pretty good, but I don't think they're good enough this year to to deal with Villanova. Um, Villanova and Tennessee, I hope, play each other because that would be a super awesome game to watch. Um, Arizona, I have no faith in Illinois and the tournament to do anything. Um, I like Houston a lot more than you, Darren, um, especially if they get to play Illinois, who I have no faith in doing anything except for sucking in the tournament. Um, Arizona, Tennessee, Villanova, that's a good group of three to look at um and so whoever whoever gets to play arizona that'll be a pretty good matchup um so some good games later on there but i think there's a lot of uh not much chance for any of the lower seeds to pull some upsets over those top three yeah i i readily admit i have a lot of misplaced faith in illinois and of course i uh accidentally threw away threw away my copious research i did a lot of research for this and promptly lost it but illinois recent history not great and brad underwood their coach not great in the tournament historically so my faith in illinois i'm pretty sure i at least had them in the final four if not the championship game last year and look how well that turned out for me so i uh i love illinois much more than i should i'm gonna agree with shannon i have villanova coming out of this region peaking at the right time experienced coach i'll give you some more insight on that when we get to our championship but i'm with you i have illinois uh, uh villanova over illinois coming out of this region Michigan is a weird wild card for me. They, did they underachieve? How much did the incident with Juwan Howard cost them? I could see them losing to Colorado State in the first round. I could also see them beating Tennessee or Villanova if they get hot at the right time. 
I like Rick Barnes. I like Tennessee, but I can't buy that team. And to me, Michigan is such a wild card to try to figure out. That was two votes for Villanova. Kevin, you went Arizona? Yeah, I'm going to go Arizona. And down to the Midwest. Uh, Thank God Iowa State's playing a team that doesn't have a coach. It's about their only chance. Kansas, the top overall seed here. Auburn down at the two. Wisconsin, a three. Providence, the four. And proof that the selection committee does not care about conference tournaments other than the automatic qualifiers. Iowa getting a five. If you want to complain, Tennessee and Iowa fans, you two have the best case for being at least on a I thought Iowa was a four seed, if not better, after running through the Big Ten tournament the way they did. I hate the Hawkeyes. I hate everything about them. I never want anything nice for them, but they did deserve a better seed. I don't like Providence. I think I think Iowa cakewalks to a matchup with Kansas in the Sweet 16. Bottom side of the bracket, I don't like LSU. I don't trust Iowa State. Wisconsin is boring. USC and Miami, I I think Auburn, Iowa, and Kansas are going to walk through this bracket. I can't explain my love for Auburn, but there's something about that team that I really like. So I agree with Iowa State. I, I, they have potential if they can find it. At any point in time, one single game, they could beat a lot of teams in the tournament if they played, if they made shots on offense. But they haven't done that much in the last few weeks, so that's, it's going to be trouble for them. Um, but they have a great matchup with a team who has no coach, which – Makes it hard to plan for a game when you have no coach and all your players are ready to transfer. Um, is would there be a more know, boring game than Iowa State versus Wisconsin? Is that just the most milk toast? Iowa, Iowa State versus game? LSU because LSU sucks on offense too, <laughs> and they're good on defense, so it's gonna be like forty-four to forty-seven or something like that. Nice. Wisconsin has a little bit more offense these days than they used to, so a game probably won't be quite as boring. It'd be my Johnny Davis running up and down the court. Um, but uh, I think Iowa State could win a game. But after that, not much. Auburn's kind of fallen off. They've kind of gotten blah lately, but kind of at a point where now they can maybe sneak up on people. USC has a good amount of talent. Um, I don't know if they will go very far, but USC and Auburn could be sneaky picks. Um, I love Kansas. I think Kansas is fantastic. I probably like them more than a lot of people. Um, when you watch them and they're playing well, they could be definitely the best team in the country. Their offense is really good when they're moving the ball around. They have tons of players. They have a superstar player that if he plays to the best of his ability, he's probably the best player in the country. Um, He's just young, so that doesn't always happen. Um, Iowa playing really good. I doubt they have much trouble in the first round. Providence is interesting in that everyone thinks they suck for some reason. I do. Um, And this is like everybody, like not – not just Darren, but everybody in the world seems to think Providence sucks. Yes. And like I was looking at one of my little gambling app people and like the, the money on San, or South Dakota state to like just win that game. I think they're two and a half point underdogs right now. And the money is heavily on South Dakota state at like plus 2.5. I am like all no over the, thinks, I'm all over the Jackrabbits pulling that upset. That's my 13 seed to win. So we think, we think Villanova is really awesome, right? We think they're a pretty good team. Providence has lost to one team besides Villanova since January 6th. One team. One team has beaten them since January 6th. That's not Villanova. That sounds really impressive. They've beaten a lot of good teams. Um, They ran into, they lost to a a well-playing Creighton team, and then they've lost to Villanova twice since January 6th, and they've beaten everybody else. Um, 
they're they're a pretty good team. They won the Big East, which Villanova is a member of. Um, I think they're better than what everyone thinks they are. And for some reason now they have, uh, if they want to play that card of no one believes you're any good, they definitely have that in their uh, corner going forward. Um, that said, let's take South Dakota State, beat them. South Dakota State's awesome. Um, sorry, Providence. That's a tough matchup for them. South Dakota State is a pretty fun team and definitely a team I would not want to play. I mean, that's, that could probably be said for half these teams, I guess. So um, I was decent. They can't beat Kansas. I'll take Kansas out of this, uh, this group. I was unaware that you were a friar in training. So this is kind of news to me. It's, it's fun to see you passionate about something. So I do appreciate that. I am. Well, I was trying to build a case on how awful they are. And then doing so, I just found out that they've actually won a lot of games. So it didn't work out as well as I was hoping. So, so here's the thing with Hawkeye fans feeling underseated. That's fine. Like whatever, feel that way. Uh, win your games and then it proves itself. Like who cares? If you're the four or the five, it really doesn't matter. I'd rather play Richmond than South Dakota State anyway. Like, get over it. Win your first two games and, and be done. Uh, yeah, so there's that. The The media always wants a story, right? So, so here's what CBS is hoping for. They're hoping that Gonzaga plays Arizona for the national title so that they can talk for a whole day about the assistant coach coming from here and taking over Arizona, blah, 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 blah. Like that's all they care about. Uh, Bill self in the final four, they would, they would love that. The other thing, Bruce Pearl, a former Hawkeye, if Auburn were to play against Iowa at some point along the line, uh, that would be something that they would sign up for in a heartbeat. So like the media would be cool with Kansas. They'd be cool with Iowa and Auburn. Uh, the, the boring one out of there is Wisconsin. And that's who I have picked coming out of that region is the Wisconsin Badgers. That's, that's the weird thing about this. And most people I'm seeing are picking Iowa or Wisconsin to win this consistent Wisconsin and red hot Iowa. Kevin's about the only person I've heard cheering for Kansas. Well, I wouldn't say cheering, but picking Kansas, not a lot of love for Auburn, nobody liking Kansas or Providence. I would say this is probably not the deepest. I don't know. It, I feel like this bracket, this region is the most wide open, but probably the most balanced. Not nobody's tremendous. Nobody's awful. Just kind of a lot of very level balanced teams. Quick comments on the conference tournaments and people thinking I should be seated higher or Texas A&M fans thinking they should be in the tournament. Agreed. The conference tournaments means nothing different than a game in November. Iowa beating Indiana in the Big Ten semifinals was less of an accomplishment than Iowa State beating Memphis in November. It doesn't matter because it's the conference tournament. It happened three days ago, five days ago, whatever it was. It makes no difference whatsoever and um, how they look at stuff. So winning a few games, unless now beating Purdue, that's a good win on a neutral court. That gets you something. But teams saying they made a good run in their conference tournament doesn't give you any anything better than a win you had in December did against the decent team. So every every year, two or three teams, this year it's Iowa and Texas A&M that did really good in their conference tournaments, think they should be get rewarded more than what they actually get credit for in that. Um, but for I, I mean, for Iowa, 
their lowest five seed. They were almost a six seed. They would have been a six seed probably if they have lost to Purdue. So um, they barely made it to the five line. Well, we can argue that another day about if they're not important, why do we use them for automatic bids then? But that's a debate for the future. They're important for that. And we are left with the East Regional, which if I had to say there's a region that is going to screw up your bracket, leave it to the East Region. This is the one to me where it feels like there's going to be absolute pandemonium. I think Baylor's your first one seed to go down. I don't love UNC, but I also don't love Baylor. So I could see North Carolina taking them out. I really like this UCLA team. I think they're going to get hot here. St. Mary's, I don't think is that great. I think Indiana could upset them. I like Texas mostly because of Chris Beard, but I think Virginia Tech could get them. I've been burned too many times picking Purdue under Matt Painter. I would not be shocked if Yale beat them. Uh, San Francisco and Murray State is a coin flip. The only team I, I really like Kentucky and UCLA. That's where I think this region comes down to. But if there was a least chalky region that I think is going to be chaos, that you could see multiple double-digit seeds making it out of the first round, even in the first two rounds, I think it is the East. I think Baylor is the weakest one. Um, I'm, I'm very torn between UCLA and Kentucky, but I think those are the two that when the dust settles, will be left standing in this pandemonium-ridden region. I don't like Baylor, Baylor very much either. Um, I definitely could see them being the first one seed to lose. Um, about a week ago, I was all excited for North Carolina, and they were not going to be a high seed, and they were going to be a team that I was going to pick to make it a ways. They were playing really well. They looked really good in a lot of games. And then they just got whipped up on by Virginia Tech. And obviously Virginia Tech played really well last week. But that, that put a quick damper on feeling really good about trying to pick UNC to beat anybody. Um, still, I think they could get – Mark Katz not been playing, playing very well either. Get past them. Maybe beat Baylor. That wouldn't surprise me. St. Mary's, uh, I just have a hard time thinking they're actually going to do anything. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, can they stay hot? Not so sure. Purdue and Yale – I feel like Purdue loses early plenty of times in Yale, upsets people, but the, the size of Purdue makes it really hard for me why I think Yale has an actual shot at winning that game. Um, I'm big on UCLA. Um, I think that they can they can make a good run, and the fact that they would run into Baylor, who we've kind of all agreed is probably the easiest one seed to knock off. I, th- I think UCLA is in a pretty good spot. St. Mary's, Akron, Baylor, you know, the teams they might play. They could go pretty far without having too much um, of a challenge compared to a lot of other teams. Um, Murray State's a seven seed. That's pretty exciting. Are we on the racers? Going big with Murray State? Maybe. Kentucky, they looked horrible early in the year, and then they looked really good, and then they're kind of blah every now and then. Um, so they, they could go a ways, but could they lose to Murray State or even San Francisco? Absolutely. Um, so it's, it is indeed, uh, I think I know who the better teams are, but if all of them lose by the end of this weekend, I think that could easily happen. I'm going to take UCLA though, out of all these teams. I like it. That's a, it's a strong pick. Cause I have, I have UCLA beating Baylor, uh, once again, to the media wanting a story, they're going to, they're going to froth at the mouth to get Murray state and Kentucky playing against each other. Uh, a uh, little brother, big brother type situation there. Uh, so with that being said, I do have Kentucky over UCLA to go to the final four coming out of this region. And that just a quick side note that bothers me when they do this, that we have Murray state versus San Francisco. I hate when they put small conference teams together 
flip that. Give me San Francisco and USC and give me Murray State and Miami. Let the little schools play the big schools and take them out instead of making them play each other. But I'm happy we're mostly on the same page with this one. Uh, so to recap, uh, what are each of your guys' final four teams? Final four and then your national champion. UCLA, Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kansas. And I will take uh, Arizona beating Gonzaga. And I have uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova, and Wisconsin. And then in the finals, Gonzaga over Villanova. Ooh, weird. We're all in somewhat similar fashion. I'm going with Gonzaga, UCLA, Wisconsin, and Villanova. And give me Villanova to beat UCLA in the championship game. So a lot of a lot of very similars, but nothing the exact same at the end. So what's all your track year? record here, Darren? Because uh, if if you're really good at this competition, I'm going to leave Villanova. But if you're not, I might need to redraw my bracket. Well, see, here's my mine is based on historical research. Uh, again, I lost my wonderful sheet, but a couple of the facts I remember: there have not been three consecutive first-time champions since 59, 60, and 61, who were the last two champions. Baylor for the first time, Virginia for the first time. That takes out Gonzaga. No new coach, a team who a coach who's new to his team has not won in the first couple of years of their tenure in like 60 years. So that's why that's why I'm scared of Arizona. New coach first year has not happened in like ever. Now Brad Stevens, Chris Beard got close in early years, but first year coaches, not national championship winning teams. No coach over the age of 70 has ever won it. There goes Coach K. Duke is out. Uh, the last two even-numbered years, who has the champion been? 2016-2018. Villanova, probably. Villanova. See? Science. Research. So back in 1958, when they were doing a podcast and said no team has won three <laughs> years in a row. Darn right. They were taking out San Francisco or whoever won in 1959. And then they did win. Was that just like a, a mind-blowing podcast? And they were just tweeting all about that right away? Is that what happened? Well, see, they'd only had like the tournament for like 20 years by that point in time. I'm using 60 years of history. Plus, no team west of the Rocky Mountains has won the championship since the 1997 Arizona Wildcats. So there goes Gonzaga. There goes Arizona. There goes USC. There goes UCLA. Kevin, you were going to say something before I took him down this rabbit hole. So what I was going to say earlier is all season long, I've been thinking, oh, this would be a great tournament because there's going to be so much unknowns. Like it's going to be chaos and there's going to be all kinds of upsets. And that's just how the season's kind of played out, it felt like. And in October and November, I said the same thing about football. Chaos, don't know what's going to happen. This is the year that new stuff happens, right? And then at the end of the season, we had Georgia and Alabama playing each other as expected by the world in September. And as I'm filling my bracket, I'm like, okay, we got the chaos, great year of upset. What's going to happen? And then it's like one seed, one seed, one seed, and UCLA. <sighs> so I feel like it's going to play out the same way. That it's gonna, it felt like a year of chaos in college basketball. And But at the very end, the, the cream cream still rises to the top in the tournament. And there's a few teams and it's a little bit different this. I mean, you got Gonzaga has lots of experience, right? They got guys who've been around the block a lot. Um, you know, Arizona, I don't know much about the individual players on Arizona's team, um, but they're just an overall solid team. And so 
it feels like the, the, the good teams are really good. Um, and once you get past like the, some, a couple of two seeds, like even the two seeds, like it used to be the one and two seeds a few months ago, seemed like they were separate from everybody else, but it almost kind of seems like the one seeds are just kind of at a different level than everybody else. And I'm not including Baylor in that one seed because I don't think they're at another level, but the Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, um, up in Tennessee. I feel like, I feel like Tennessee is better than a three seed. I, I like them much more in a couple of the two seeds. Um, so it's too bad they have to play Villanova, but, um, the Villanova, Tennessee, and those three one seeds. I feel like if I got to pick one of those teams to be my winner, I'd feel pretty good with my odds. Cool. And and you're you're right there. The cream rises to the top. Stick with those teams. It I think in the last thirty years or so, the UConn team from a couple of years ago was the only team outside of the top three seeds to win the championship. They were the seven seed in that year. Not the Kemba Walker year. What was the other one? The Shabazz Napier year. I think they were the seven seed, made the run. Otherwise, if you look back, it's always a one, two, or three seed winning the championship. So as much as we want to have fun and chaos, like you say, at the end, the cream rises to the top. Speaking of Notre Dame, one double overtime. Double overtime, huh? So, so I want to talk about this for a minute because I got I got them on the money line at minus 106 on, on a fan duel. And then on DraftKings, I got them at covering one point at minus 110. So, so DraftKings has given me better odds so far. Um, and, and I was looking at Kansas to come out of that region just um, be, because I want to win some money if you're right on this, Kevin, with Kansas. So I can get them at plus 200 on FanDuel and plus 160 on DraftKings. So Notre Dame, yeah, won some money on them tonight on both apps. That's great. They played a double overtime game, and they play in two. they, they play in two days. How will that impact X or, or your pick on them in uh, full disclosure. I have them in the sweet 16 Notre Dame. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll change that, but playing a double overtime game and then having a game in two days, it makes me wonder how, how much do you guys factor that in? I probably should factor in. I don't know about the double overtime, but I feel like that short games, it's interesting to see how many teams have actually won after playing the playing game, got hop on an airplane right away go to some other city and get ready to play in two days um, against a team who's been there warming up in that arena already since you were in Dayton. Um, if there's a team to play against, Alabama seems like they're not doing much. So I guess that they might be in a good position there, but uh, these kids are 20 years old. I think they can go play for 60 minutes and then be good to go in two more days. I don't think it'd be too too much to say that uh, they should be impacted by playing this long game, hop on their plane ride, get over there. Um, and it was, maybe they're warmed up. They just played a game. Alabama's been sitting since when? Last Thursday or something like that? Friday, whenever they got beat in their conference tournament? Waiting for this? Um, I would take probably very little factor that they play double overtime in the first four and have to go play again in two days. See, I would... I would be concerned about the team being tired, but you're also playing Alabama. So that has me less concerned because Alabama's done their best to not be intimidating recently. I was trying to find this out. I thought Oregon state last year and Syracuse a couple of years ago did that thing where they were, were in the play in game and won, and then got hot and made a run. Maybe that's Indiana this year. Maybe that's Notre Dame, but UCLA didn't, I didn't get on this fast enough. While you're figuring that out, I did notice it's it's interesting to me that Notre Dame, uh, this this Catholic 
university that thinks they're holier than thou. Uh, their football coach is gone, thank goodness. But now I watch during a timeout, and Mike Bray, the coach, is yelling, F yeah, but he's not just using the letter F. There's a full four-letter word, and I'm thinking, uh, okay, so so we're preaching religion above everything else. That's fine, but I also don't know that that particular word falls under the category of religious teachings. If you're using it in the name of Jesus, it's okay. I actually think it's not based on a, one of the commandments, but maybe, I don't know. No, Kevin's right, though. UCLA last year was the 11th seed in the play-in game and won. Made their they were really run. good, good, and they finished the season well. But you're still having that same, do they have dead legs after doing the play-in? Yeah, I just was curious. So I think last year it's hard to uh, assume that because everyone just thought the Pac-12 sucked, right? No one thought the Pac-12 was any good at basketball. And so and UCLA probably probably should have been a little bit higher than that first four game that they were in. Um, that was probably just off assumptions because they they didn't play like any non-con games last year, the Pac-12, is that right? Something like that or very few. So there's nothing to base them off of. They've been a fairly garbage conference for a while. And so that seeding, Oregon State was a 12 seed. UCLA was what, 12-11 playing game. I think I think they were just underseeded last year. But they made the run. They did it. They went and they played, and they kept playing well after that. So um, UCLA beat BYU pretty easily. And then they got to play Elbling Christian and just smashed them and then beat up on Alabama. Yeah. And so, then, but it – and. In 2018, that was the year that Syracuse did it, where they got hot, won the playing game, and made it to the Elite Eight as the 11. So not a regular thing, but there's some historical precedence for it. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, happy you guys could be with us on a rather long episode. We had a lot to cover here. We'll have these guys back on in a couple of weeks to see how busted all of our brackets are, both for wrestling and uh, for uh, March Madness on the men's and women's side and the NIT and the CBI and the CIT. We'll talk NASCAR. We'll talk NFL. We'll s- a lot going on here as we get March into April. Maybe we'll do some NFL. We need to do the mock draft with you guys when we get around to that because we know how much Shannon loves mock drafts. If if there's one thing that I really don't like besides improper use of the English language, it's mock drafts. So those two things maybe tie for first of things I don't like the most. And Catholic swearing. <laughs> Comes at number three. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us on this week's episode. Happy March Madness. Good luck on your brackets. Uh, Happy Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Happy St. Patty's Day. We will see you all next week.